This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. There is a bigger order, that there is something beyond my five sensory experience, that there is something to lean into and to discover. There is a mystery there that is intriguing. Hi, everyone. Om Shanti. Welcome to our second season of Where East Meets West. That's now been revised. W where E meets West. W E M W. Ta-da! It's our new opening. You know, why not? Let's simplify everything in our lives and make things better. You know, in our first season, we had some of the most beautiful, beautiful voices of Indians outside of India who are doing incredible work. In this season, I want to also bring to you some more voices outside of India that are making a really, really positive impact, not only in their own lives, but in their communities and in the countries that they're residing. Maybe they might not be in the United States of America. They might be in the UK, in Africa, in China. But we want to talk to them and find out what lives at the core of their enthusiasm, their values, their existence, their vision. And so today we have a really, really special guest to kick off our second season. My special guest today, Shaheen Shah, is an author and CEO of Coherent Strategies, Consulting and Coaching. He has delivered breakthrough results to successful leaders around the world for more than 20 years, navigating business outcomes and the personal challenges that go hand in hand with the journey. So high achieving professionals from Tesla, my favorite car, LinkedIn, Hewlett Packard and IBM are just a few who have benefited from Shaheen's life altering coaching skills. Now he's the author of the book, The Kid and the King, The Hidden in the Struggle, High Achievers Must Conquer to Reignite and Re-Engage with Life. Don't you love it? Today we're really happy to be welcoming Shaheen Shah to America Meditating Radio and in collaboration with Where East Meets West. Shaheen, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Sister Jenna. It's great to be here with you. So you grew up in a household with Indian immigrant parents in pretty much of a privileged environment around a lot of high achieving people. Could you tell us a little bit about your backstory and what inspired your interest in consulting and coaching? Yeah, you know, two Indian doctors, like the quintessential (laughs) Indian immigrants off the boat in New York City, two extraordinary human beings, visionaries, dreamers that were um, really just wired to make it easier and better for the next generation to succeed. And um, everything that they did was to our benefit, my sister and I, and to make sure that we had every opportunity that was available to us. And, you know, in classic Indian style, it was education as the primary directive. As you know, you, you needed to get as good an education and get as many degrees from the best universities you possibly can. Your test scores were everything. And that was the game that we was introduced to as a young child. And, um, you know, in that environment, um, to be um, an Indian uh, in a very white um, suburb of New York City. Back then in the 70s, you know, India hadn't quite made its prominence in the United States. We didn't have some of the big CEOs. We didn't have, it was, you know, either there was a hotel, they drove cabs or the 7-Eleven or whatever it was. It wasn't, there wasn't quite the Indian communities that were available today that my cousins all had the benefactor of. And, um, 
you know, I think from a very young age, I, it was a question of where do I fit into this puzzle? I, I'm not quite sure I understand. Uh, I know I understand the game, but I don't, I'm not experiencing the game in a very powerful way. I'm feeling like there's a, someone had said to me earlier, you know, you know, the days they must've been handing out the instructions for life. I must've been absent that day because everybody else seemed to get it, but me. And that really started this inward journey and um, kind of my exploration into my existence, what was most important to me and, and still having to maintain a certain decorum of being the son of my father and my mother and in the communities that we lived in. And, you know, the, the beauty and the benefit of all of that privilege and also the dark side of it as well. And I think that um, the book and why I have um, chosen to come to this conversation and to, to, to speak about this is that, I mean, I, I wish there was someone there to have explained some of these things to me differently than I had understood them or assumed how things were. And sure. I think it's just an important conversation to be had. Sure. You know, it's interesting. We never know what the experience is of someone unless we've walked into their shoe because Okay, so you come from a family of two doctors, privileged upbringing, and then somebody would look at you and go like, you know, dude, get with it. I mean, right. what is your problem? Right. And what, yeah. what we don't actually realize, it's not about all the external things that seem all in place, but it's the spiritual um, right. state of consciousness that we need the guidance in. You must have had a moment, Shaheen, when you kind of woke up and you looked around, you've got everything. And was there a moment when you just wasn't happy and you questioned that, like, why would I not be happy when I have everything? And if so, what did you do? Yeah, I mean, I think there were a, a couple of moments along the journey. I do remember getting out of school and thinking to myself, if, if we're supposed to be the best of the best, the smartest, the, the most educated, the, the people that are going to go out there and, and make an impact, why is it that our pathways are med school, business school, law school? Like if that's the best thinking that we've got, we're missing something. And I don't know, maybe it was the way I was wired. Maybe it was the, oh, my own self inquiry, but at a very, very young age, I, experience life as never, ever really fitting in or belonging. That's how I experienced it. And none of it made any sense to me. And, and I kind of went through the motions and I became this very gregarious, outgoing, you know, acted out kind of human being that developed a, a strategy that allowed me to survive those years that I carried mm -hmm. into my adulthood. And I think there was a moment in time where on my own journey of trying to understand therapist's office programs, spiritual retreats where, and maybe it was also in college, I was drawn to philosophy as a philosophy major to understand human being and this kind of existential question of who am I? I mean, it sounds a little bit like, you know, yeah, who am I? Right. But that's when you start looking at that. Um, I know Jay Krishnamurti early on of this idea of being conditioned and understanding the other. I know my grandfather in, in, you know, we grew up as, well, we didn't grow up as Jains, but as, as I would go to India back and forth, I would go to the Jain temples and I, I began to pull in from a little bit of Indian philosophy as well. And I, I mean, honestly, there was confusion, right? So this idea of the book was this hidden inner struggle was to, to address 
this confusion that I juxtaposed this version of us as a small child, the kid, and this king or queen, in, 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 a, in the case of a woman, of this duality of, of, of being someone on one hand that is capable, it is intelligent, has a sincere desire to make a difference in the world, has good intentions, and yet can still act out and behave in ways that are just completely illogical and not consistent at all with, you know, who we say we are. And yeah. that, I think, you know, that combined with the, honestly the privileged lens that I had into this life and lifestyle, right on the surface, so much of it looked very attractive and very impressive and amazing. And then you looked underneath it and you see the despondency, the sadness, the, the, the dark side of it. And I think that sure. that was a really important message to make sure we get out there because people are chasing dreams and chasing this kind of destination that when they get there, somehow they're going to feel fulfilled, happy, joyous, whatever that might be. And, and then there's you and then there's the soul that needs to be nourished. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a question that I've asked even till today. Shashin, who am I? I mean, I've seen all the facets and I get it. And um, in my teachings of Raj Yoga, I've understood that the, the real nature, the real identity of the soul is a being that emanates love and peace and purity and power. And then when you, know, when you act the other way, right? When you're at a different level of that expression and it doesn't look peaceful and it doesn't look very happy, then you're wondering, what is it that switches me off right. from knowing what I am? I don't stop considering myself to be a woman. I'm clear I'm a woman. Right. You know, so what switches that off? And it goes to realize how much attention I think we are actually needing to pay on the power of thoughts. And when we can identify the magnitude of the way that we think, then we can begin to control our lives and really put it back in perspective. You know, growing up in America uh, with Indian immigrant parents, and you were in a real little small Jewish community. Were you in Great Neck, New York? No, I was in Scarsdale. Oh, okay, because I, I was in Great Neck, New York for a while. <laughs> well, that's not too far. Similar. Okay, so what was the strategy, and how did you actually experience as a child, how did you show up for you in the later experiences as an adult? Can you recall? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and the premise of the book is, is, is the fact that the decisions that I made during that time and how I kind of developed myself was a reaction to feeling very estranged, right? So I became this very gregarious person. I became someone that knew, saw this game and realized, gosh, you know, the way in which I can get the feedback loops of approval was to say the right things and parrot out these words and these phrases at the right moment in time and look you right in the eye and shake your hand and develop a very, um, you know, very, uh, I mean, in the classic people pleasing kind of person where, you know, who did you need me to be? I could be that person. And I would say that it allowed me to navigate those years successfully, right? I was able to achieve, I was the president of my class in sixth grade. I went on to be, you know, a championship high school debater. I was socially connected to people, but deep inside, I mean, I was a wounded, 
wounded soul. I mean, it was, there was a world of, I mean, by the time I was an adult, I didn't realize that there was any inherent value in Shashin. I, my value was derived from a performance-based model. And so having to perform my whole life, we become extraordinary performers. And it arguably that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Just, Hey, suck it up, Shashin. You know, Hey, you have a good life. Just go ahead and just do it. Follow this. There's a good path here. What's wrong with, you know, going to this and getting your master's and going, what, what's wrong with all these things? You should be married and have these children. And yet there is something that was just lost in there. And I realized somewhere in my mid thirties that I had really no idea like what I wanted. I remember it's a funny story, but, and, and I'm sure like the, the, it's like, it's like nails on a chalkboard for Indian parents. But you know, at the age of 40, uh, for my 40th birthday, I found myself in Malibu. I was miserable. I was supposed to be with John Gray. We were going to go do this whole talk about men are from Mars. When I had this thing called the pink elephant project, I was so excited. And I thought this was it. I'm making my, I'm, I'm making the next move. And I was exhausted and I was on my way to Telluride actually for the blues and brews festival. And a good friend of mine mentioned that there was a bartender position open at a lodge that I'd worked at my first year out of college. And I was working with the mentor at that time. And I told her about it. I'm like, Oh my God, I go, you know what I really want to do is just take off a season and just go ski for it. Just go to my happy place and just kind of reset, recalibrate and go and she said, I've never heard you so excited. So what are you going to do? And I said, well, I, you know, I can't do that. I mean, I'm 40 years old. I mean, this is insane. I mean, we, that's like, you know, suicide for my career. And like, no one would take me seriously. And she said to me, very interesting. She said, I want you to come up with 10 reasons why it would be the best decision of your life. And I said, okay. So I drove on and she called me. She said, what did you decide? And I said, I think I'm going to do it. And, you know, because I'll be in this environment, I'll be in a happy place, you know, the networking possible. And I had all these reasons, right? It was a very justified, right? My, my MO was I'm guilty until proven innocent to my father, to my parents, to my community, right? So I had to come up with good reason. And she said to me something I'll never forget. She said to me, Shashin, listen, at this stage of your life, the only reason you ever need to give for any of the decisions you make thus far is the reason why you're doing it because I can, and because it makes me happy. Wow. And I remember her saying that to me. And I remember first experiencing sadness because it was like, I didn't even know what that meant. Mm. That 40 years of my life had gone by that I didn't even understand that because I can, and because it makes me happy mm -hmm. was enough of a reason to pursue what it is that I wanted to pursue. And I think that that was a real telling moment for me in how far off my soul's journey I was, right? Like that I had been performing, I had been consumed with how people perceive me, what was important to say and how it looked to everyone. And to arguably to this day at 51, it still echoes in the background. Like, well, how's it going to look? Is it going to be okay? Right. Like that kind of thing. So that to me, um, was how I think this unfolded. And, and, and this is where I, the strength came to just say, wow, with the wisdom of years and time and, 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 and struggling with this part of me, like, 
yeah, there's a part of me that's a young kid that's very needy and narcissistic and needs attention and is afraid of change and afraid of people. And given that child's background, sure, that makes sense. And there's this incredibly talented, bright individual who really has a huge heart that wants to make an impact in the world that's here. And you're right, likes certain things and doesn't like other things. And that's okay too. And so that was 40 years to figure that out. That's a lot. <laughs> well, look, of it, it took some, it took some of us 60, 70 years to figure <laughs> it out. So don't be hard on yourself. Right. When you, we look at your book, the kid yeah. and the King, I yeah. love that title, by the way, you. can you elaborate a little bit about the meaning of the title and what the premise uh, is of the book? I think the most simple version is to when I looked into this crowded space of self-help and personal development, one of the things that I thought was missing um, was the mention of the fact that hard work, discipline, goal setting, these, um, this idea of conquering and crushing and, and, and buckle up is extremely effective at moving the ball down the field. And if you're in the game of trying to kind of play, we call it the science of success, you can set targets. There are ways to focus discipline, create accountability and do that. And you can win the game that way. And that game is maybe financial, maybe um, a career, a title, um, a, um, a degree, some letters behind your name, and you can do that. But what I wanted to make sure that got out there in the world is that in that relationship with yourself, it's quite adversarial. What is required of one to engage in that kind of strategy is a suppression and a denial of what I think is a very human part of our experience. And that is the fear. This is this vulnerability piece that Brene Brown has brought so beautifully into the conversation in this last decade has been, you know, game changing, I think, for the men and the women in this world to just realize that, gosh, it's OK. But we're not taught that discomfort is something that we can just be with. Be with yeah. Yeah. Right. We, we're taught especially that, that for as men a, as well. For men, especially. Gotta, yeah. yeah. You know, there's no time for this. And this has been passed off as soft. And, uh, you know, go Weak. find yourself yeah. and go into the mountains and go talk to nature. Great. You know, hey, get yourself a degree, get yourself a job. Come on, let's go. And I think that, you know, and again, you know, I feel so fortunate for the men and the women that have trusted me with their lives and have opened up their hearts to me and to share with me at the level that they're at, at these huge, I mean, degrees beyond degrees that in spite of running up the ladder, ringing the bell, and they're really good at that hard work, discipline, focus game. They are great at it. But when they get there, it's not as, it's not all as that it was made out to be. And there's something missing. So the unintended consequences, and I'm not saying it's, it's necessarily true that this is a one-to-one direct correlation, but in many cases, in my case, in some of my clients' cases, the net result of that has been estranged relationships, feeling like you're misunderstood, you know, not having that intimacy and closeness, feeling 
like an imposter in some ways, you know, in how it all looks. And that's really what the book is about, is to end the adversarial relationship, become familiar with this child who wants that love and attention and wants to be seen and heard and gets nervous and anxious and all of that. And instead of squashing, saying, ah, of course, there you are. I know it's okay. And there's some exercise in the book that takes you through that one piece that that voice is never going to go away. It's never going to change. But the intensity and the duration, we can manage that so it doesn't consume us and it doesn't make us do things that aren't actually consistent with the outcomes that we want. You know, it's amazing. Um, I don't know how many individuals I've spoken to in this lifetime of mine. I've not met one of us who's not having an inner struggle. The struggle with duality and the, the, the wish, the aim, the desire to just balance it out. To be quite frank, I don't know if I want to always be happy. I'm not quite sure what I would be able to do with that right now. But I would love to be able to strike that absolute um, balance yeah. of, of navigating life that even in my down moments or when I am in a state of vulnerability, one of the things that I do mm. that I found that's been very um, neutralizing is I tell my friends, I'll tell my family, this is how I'm feeling. I need your help and your support. And for some reason, I don't allow myself to get stuck in that shadow existence of all of my personalities that I haven't addressed you know, that's sitting in the soul somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, you know, here you are, you are past 40, you are helping other individuals and leaders to find their success mode or quotient, so to speak. Looking at the motivation behind our drive for success and sometimes even overcompensation, ultimately to lead us away from, you know, really getting to know who we are wrecking or just helping us to reckon with our aging. Explain to us and how is it that we can deal with that day of reckoning? Because sometimes it does show up, Shaheen, and we don't know what to do with it. Like, what was that moment for you when you realized this wasn't it. Like, what do you do with it when you recognize this really isn't it? I mean, I think, I think we know it intuitively, right? And I think that the tells for me, I mean, for years, um, alcohol, drugs, a lot of my addictive personality was seeking distraction. Well, why? Because it was out of alignment. I mean, the joke of my company was I had the insight 20 years ago after reading the book um, From Chaos to Coherence by HeartMath. I was like, I'll name my company Coherent Strategies, right? <laughs> People at that time were like, Coherent Strategies. That, that, that word coherence wasn't that, it, it didn't really make the mainstream. And now everyone's speaking about coherence. And Dr. Joe's talking about it a bunch now. But it could have been easily called incoherent strategies, right? And so, I really believe it. I think that the equation in my mind is you look at what you're doing. Are you distracting yourself from with food or alcohol, drugs, Internet, TV, porn, gambling, shopping, whatever you name it? We're our need for distraction is the tell that there is something to be reckoned with. Yes. Right. I think that that when we're getting triggered by our emotions, and that we find ourselves in an uncomfortable emotional state where gossiping and complaining or just frustrated with the world, we're 
focus externally. Well, there's something to reconcile within ourselves, right? One of the things I loved about learning, um, you know, about Ganesh, I mean, we used to hand out Ganesh's left and right for businesses, weddings and all that. But in some ways, what, you know, what people fail to recognize is you're giving them a Ganesh in some ways saying, yes, he's going to bring you a whole bunch of obstacles and you're going to have to rely on him to transcend those obstacles. Because if you don't, you're going to end up distracted and not acting in coordinate in coherence with your soul's journey so i think that we're all very aware of that moment or the moments or how we are now and yeah i'll say that it's been only the last few years that i have been able to come into coherence about what i put into my body how i treat myself this book would have, it took me six years and it was mm. garbage until I finally got aligned. The book was my journey and that's how I wrote it. And I just said, wow, it had to come clear here so that yeah. I could put out that message. So I think that in the most simple way is to lean into the discomfort, to lean into yeah. The behavior, you're the observer of yourself. You know yourself better than anyone else. Only you know, that's one of the things better. that's one of the things I find has been the hardest for people, brother, is that instead of leaning into the weakness, the deception, the lie, they run away from it. 100%. So it lingers on for like decades. And you know, maybe you just never I don't know if it's courage or if it's will, fortune, destiny. But I'll tell you this, if the whole world leaned into yes. their limitations or weaknesses, yes. Yes. we would not have as much confusion as we do today. But you talk a lot, but you talk in a book about sheer will. And I wanted us to kind of touch on that too, because most people use will and it only takes them so far. You've noticed that, right? Yes. So why is that? What else do we need to apply sheer willpower to? It's like this. I mean, the way I've described it is it's like, it's like, you know, when we're really young, we, we, we come up with a strategy. Every single executive that I work with, what I will find is that their limit in leadership, it will be inextricably linked to a decision that was made at a younger year of how they should be, how they should communicate. So if they're a hard work discipline guy, well, that's how I communicate to my, my team and your hard work discipline. And they they're confused by why they can't solve and show up and, and, and do things the way they do. And so it's like you're, you, you, you grab this hammer and then you have this hammer. And what you do, you hammer in the morning, you hammer in the evening, you hammer every day. And I think that it's really great to have a hammer. One of the things I'll tell my clients, I'm like, I'm so glad that you have that skill set down that you know that when push comes to shove, if you need to get something done, you have that in you. That's what we want to leverage. Okay, great. But now can we operate with some more elegance, with some grace, with some ease through life? Sometimes, you know, I got guys that can take a hammer and break a two by four and, you know, cut, you know, cut it in half with a hammer. But I'm like, if you could use this saw, wouldn't that be more appropriate in this instance. And then the light goes on like, oh, I don't have to hammer in that case. Maybe the saw or wow, maybe if I just use the nail or a screw or what, just to develop a portfolio of strategies 
that are appropriate for the outcome that you want. And what I are the, the case that I make in the book is that, you know, we have these success strategies that by the time people will find me, the expiration date on those strategies are just, you know, long gone. And it's time to discover some new ways, some just new approaches. And I think that's it. It's like, how, how can I move through life with greater grace and elegance and ease? Willpower seems to be on the other side of that. Right. So I think of like I always visualize, you know, you, you can always find in some park in the city, some people doing Tai Chi and they're elderly. Right? They're elderly people doing Tai Chi and they're using forces in an intelligent way. That seems like a sustainable kind of power versus the blunt force of just kicking and pow and boom, boom, boom right through life. Yes, it produces results. It built incredible things. Yeah. It's made people very wealthy. It has built huge buildings, created massive communities, and done a tremendous amount of good. Yes. And the individual sometimes can suffer some grave unintended consequences because they were too busy focusing on getting there. One of my clients that is like, well, at least Josh, you know, look, at least I can afford you now. You know, it's like, like, you know, he spent his whole life creating this and amassing all this wealth. And now we're untangling that. And just, he just wants to be happy. Why was he doing any of that in the first place? Well, he thought that I would get the admiration and the respect of my peers. People would see me as a, you know, successful individual. I could even, you know, speak about it as I'm contributing to my community and I'm a good member of my community. And in all of that exercise, somehow this internal compass had never really been calibrated properly. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the real journey. And, and look, some people out there will be listening like whatever. And I get it. And you no, know, keep going. Keep discipline, focus, do what you got to do to get what you need to get done, done. And for those of you who have felt a bit confused, this conversation might open up some eyes and just a different perspective around this. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Well said. So when we look at the future now of our civilization, so to speak, what are some of the thoughts? What are some of the ideas, the things that you feel we need to bring into the future to somehow find a healthy balance? So for me, it's a great question. I'm so glad you asked that. By the way, it's such a, it's so lovely to be with you. And to be <laughs> Same here. It's really, it's, it's, you know, I really feel deeply connected to the questions yeah. and your being. It's, it's very sweet to be here with you. Um, you know, I, I think that Because it's such an important question. It means a lot to me. I, and I think that if I were to describe my purpose of doing all this is to, is to allow individually, and it's been said so many ways. I mean, you know, Michael Jackson even said the man in the mirror, right? To really de- mm-hmm. de- develop so, like love and compassion with oneself, Yes. And it sounds like, it just sounds like Polly and I love yourself. But what I'm talking about is, is, is a new relationship to the idea of what it is to be human, to what it is to be a human being. Right. 
because there is a presumptuousness to some of the suffering that we have that's riddled in this idea that it's supposed to be another way. Like it shouldn't be that way. Well, says who? According to what? Right. So this idea that, okay, let's just say there's just this duality. Why do we shy away? Why do we want to cure our kids ills? Why do we want to stop this? Let them go through what they need to go through. We don't allow this, this, well, let's just say, I think we're moving in that direction. I think we are developing a more compassionate view of ourselves because I think, especially I see this all the time in leadership. If you have a strong individual performer that knows how to run up the ladder and ring the bell, where they will fail as a leader is their ability to lead others until they can come to grips with the idea of their human experience is theirs. And what brought them to be this individual achiever is unique and true to them. And that each and every single person has a different kind of experience in life, a different motivation. I always say, you got, you want to be a great leader, learn everyone's currency because not everyone's driven by the dollar Someone's driven by maybe some recognition. Someone might be driven by their connection. Someone might yeah. be, it, there's, so to develop that, to see the world from that perspective requires a sense of oneness and the connectedness to it all. And that goes into my next piece is that for me, why I'm in Telluride, Colorado, why I choose natural environments is because that's where I get my cup filled. That's what right Mm. sizes me. That's where I can walk up the hill. Like I did this morning to the top Mm -hmm. of that mountain and, you know, with my dog and, you know, sweating and cold and, and going Mm -hmm. up there and letting my mind is thinking about my needs and wants desire. And I'm talking to sister Jen, I hope I show up and make a contribution to that, 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 all of that, right. My needs and wants and desires are going off in my head. Yeah, Yeah. And I pause, I breathe, reflect. I look at the mountains. I see where I am and it just right sizes me and that there is a bigger order that there is something beyond my five sensory experience that there is something to lean into and to discover there is a mystery there that is intriguing and once kind of once you dive in it allows for in a, in a time where we're so it'll serve dry. you, it'll serve you, it'll serve you once you dive in and instead of run away and from everybody else. Yeah, you absolutely. Can tell. Just, it's just it's that's just I think I mean, my wish for humanity. Please just go outside, look up. Mm-hmm. You know, just mm-hmm. see what's out there. Just yeah. spend some time at and and then just look at a plant's leaf. You know, look into an yeah. animal's eyes. You know. Go to a florist if you're in a city and just smell the flowers in the florist. Slow down. Turn inwards. Let's look towards the future as a spiritual awakening, but also the ability to sustain that awakening, you know, really important. That's it. And it's about what's sustainable. Yeah. The blunt force crush. And that's the hardest part. It will produce results. Yeah. Yeah. What results are you trying to produce? Yeah. Yeah. Shaheen, you've been like so amazing. And I want to thank you for your enthusiasm, intoxication, 
honesty, authenticity, and vigor. I mean, I could just feel it through our time together. Yeah. Is there anything that you'd like to just close off that I, I feel you've said everything already, but mm-hmm. anything that's pressing that you feel like you'd like to leave our audience with? No, I, 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 I so, I just want to express gratitude for creating a platform and a conversation and, and bringing these conversations to the world in the way you're doing. And you're doing great work. I got to visit some of the videos and some of the other podcasts of the kinds of people that you're bringing on. And I feel honored to be able to be here with you and to discuss these things in this way. Mm-hmm. And you know, the one thought is that, you know, it's like if you're uncomfortable, just try leaning into the discomfort. Don't be afraid. Discover what's there in there. I mean, I, you know, I'll just say this. What the joke that I have with my clients, I always say, I'm going to send you my New Year's card. You know what it's going to say? Wishing you the most epic breakdown possible during our time together, such that you find the leverage in your life to make the changes you need to live the life you were designed to live. Mm, Beautiful. So embrace the duality. Without the darkness, there is no light. And just change your relationship. Start leaning in that direction and see what's available. You've been amazing. Thank you so much. Where can we get a copy of your book or get more information on you? So it's shashin.com, S-H-A-S-H-E-E-N as a new year.com is the website. And then it's on Amazon. Um, I read the Audible. It's on Kindle and it's on paperback. And you can find it on Amazon. The Kid and the King, The Hidden Inner Struggle, High Achievers Must Conquer to reignite and reengage with life. Mm, sounds perfect Shishin Shaw thank you so much for joining us on Where East Meets West I am sure that all that you do will continue to enhance and enlighten many that come across your path so thank you for being you thank you thank you all right everyone I'm sure you must feel very invigorated after listening to Shishin Shaw and I'm sure that you've taken something from our conversation I know I did but I love that point you know that part lean in to the discomfort You know, stop struggling with your duality and accept the duality and lean into when you're not feeling your best. I think that's where your your solution, your aha, your next move internally will take you. Yes, you are right. We have accomplished a lot. Physically, there is nothing that's lacking in the world, really. But thinking in a positive and pure way that needs to increase so hopefully after this conversation and show two you make a commitment to continue to think high and stay up there thanks for joining us everyone take good care and remember no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission and i suspect we might be all here to learn how to love each other the same Mm. take care all the best